God knows about each one of you individually. And there's things here that God's going to do, not just in this service, but when you get home. And he's going to recall things, bring it up in your mind, in your memory. And it's going to be right there in the moment that you need it. I was just speaking with a girl before we started this meeting. And uh, she told me just on Friday, she was in a situation where um, the Lord spoke to her and, and told her to do something. And she said, I remembered your message, Pastor Pam, on that very subject. And I knew that it was God telling me that I'm supposed to do this. You know, a word we hear today not, may not today be everything that we need for today. But today, he will give us sufficient for what we need. But he also gives us things that are little nuggets that are going to help us down the road. Amen. So I'd like you to welcome tonight my friend, my co-laborer, Mrs. Janet Lay. Hallelujah. I'll let her introduce her daughter in love to you. <laughs> Praise God. Mm, love you. We're sisters in the Lord, and we've done good things and bad things together. <laughs> she took me shopping today. What do you think? <laughs> but she has new shoes on, so <laughs> with bling on them. Praise God. What a blessing to be here. I just thank you so much for coming. I count it a great privilege, but also a great responsibility, because I believe I do have a fresh word from the Holy Spirit that will encourage you and launch you forward for in your life in the time where we are. As women, we have a great responsibility. We set the mood many times in, the, in our church, in our homes, in the community where we work. And I believe God just, just wants to pour his oil of anointing on your lives tonight so that you won't leave her the same as you came in Jesus' name. But I want you to know, thank you, Pam for letting me come and do this. Of course, I said, well, let me pray about it. I'll be there. <laughs> because we've always been that way with each other. We've a call on each other. And, of course, some of you that attend church here regularly realize that or know that 18 months ago, Pastor Bill, my Pastor Bill, my husband went home to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, who came and stayed with me at the hospital all those days? Pastor Pam. Who came and did his celebration? Pastor Bill and Pam. So we walked many miles together. And sometimes it's been tough, but we've always held each other up. And that's what God wants us to do as believers, that we're to encourage each other and help each other up. So thank you so much for the privilege. I would like to introduce one of my daughters in love, my Pam, Pam Lay, married to my son Tom, the Grammy of twins. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, so good. She, uh, when you ask for somebody, got their hair done today the beauty shop I got mine done but she's a hairdresser so she did mine in the hotel room so <laughs> did a good job but I feel like I have something I want to say to you from the spirit before we start tonight a prophetic word and so if you just get very quiet and open your ears for just a moment I believe the spirit of the Lord would say to you tonight I brought you here to change you not leave the same for many of you are stuck where you are, and some have been treading water and you become tired. But I would have you to know tonight, if you'll receive, there will be a mighty rush of the wind of God tonight, a mighty move of the Spirit. And when you'll leave this plane, you'll be ready to go forth like never before. For you have gotten to a place where you think, how can it happen? What will it be? But I would say to you, nothing is impossible with me. And this is a divine connection, a divine appointment that you made with me. And so don't be disappointed. 
but open your ears and know that you'll leave this place tonight touched by my hand and things will be different. The things you've been believing for, you'll walk through, but you'll walk through with them with victory and not with a, a, a lack of, of winning the race that I placed you in. So know that open your ears and open your mind, open your heart tonight for you will hear things from the Spirit of God that even the speaker did not speak. For I am here tonight to instruct you and launch you and move you forward. If you try to stay where you are, you will drown. But if you'll move with the Spirit of God for the day in which you live in, you will become victorious in every area of your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. All the way here tonight, I was singing. I didn't realize it till after a while. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Onipotent Father of mercy and grace, you are well. Come in this place. Now let's invite him in here. Holy Spirit, you are well. Come in this place. Holy Spirit, you are well. Come in this place. Onipotent Father of mercy and grace. You are well, come in this place. Hallelujah. Well, I want to talk to you tonight. I believe the Holy Spirit did give me a message for you, and it's called The Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. Now, how many of you have heard that terminology? You know, the lifestyle of the rich and famous. We read about them in the paper. We we see uh Prince, was it Henry that got married and married Catherine or one of the princes that got married? And anyway, we read the lifestyle. And if you'll notice a lot of times in the beauty shops, you will see this kind of magazine in there. Now, I want you to know I got these from the beauty shop. I don't have these at my house. <laughs> but, you know, here are 20 exclusive wedding photos of a woman that was probably married a year and a half ago with 20 exclusive wedding photos. And now she's married again. So that's the lifestyle of the rich and the famous, right? I mean, they uh, have a lot of money to spend, and that's all they have. And then I looked at this one, and I thought, fantasy sweet nightmare. <laughs> hmm. They sleep together and talk all night, but then she discovered one is a fraud, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. The drugs, the alcohol. You know, a few weeks ago, there was a, a home that burned in Florida that was owned by a tennis champion. And I've forgotten three or four bodies was in the home and, and made big news. Had a mansion there. But that's the lifestyle of the rich and the famous of the world. They, you know, the, the Clippers owner, you know all about that? If you didn't, if you don't, you didn't watch television. <laughs> but anyway... Talking about the millions he has and the girlfriend and all that stuff. That's the lifestyle of what the world calls the rich and the famous. As I thought about it, I thought of how that um, 
uh, how many times that their life is filled with drugs and alcohol and broken relationships. And I don't know about you, but I'm not, I don't want to participate in that. I don't want that type of a lifestyle to live in, in my, in my uh, home or in my life. I'm so grateful, though, that God has given me the truth that would set me free. And tonight, I want to talk to you about the real, the lifestyle of the real rich and famous. And I want you to know tonight, I'm looking at you. <laughs> and you are the rich and the famous. You may not feel like it tonight, but when you leave this place, I believe the Word of God, I just give you just a little crumb of what this book says about the kind of lifestyle that God wants you to have. It didn't say that we'd have a lifestyle that would not have any problems or opportunities in it, but it does give us some promises and blessings and some instructions on how we can live that fulfilled life here regardless of what's going on in our life. Uh, you know, 17 months ago when my husband went home with the Lord, we had been in ministry together for lots of years. Pam already told you that. And, you know, the day after I went home to my home after his celebration, I was in Tulsa, Pam and Tom's house. And when I went home and went through my garage where all of his tools and everything were, and I looked at it and I thought, it's over with. You know, I'm no longer the pastor's wife. Uh, we did marriage in the family together. You don't usually find one single person teaching that, however I am. I want you to know that. But anyway, I just saw it all as ended. But you know what? And that's what I want to share with you tonight. And that is a few days later when I got along with God, then I knew I had to pick the lifestyle that I was going to live now because that lifestyle had finished. It was complete. No longer was he with me anymore. And so I had a choice to make from that day forward what kind of a lifestyle I would make. Now, let me tell you, you all, when you're born or conceived, you're given life. But I want to tell you that the style and the way you live that life is a choice that you make. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about what happens to you. It's about the choices that you make. And so I want to talk to you for just a few moments about that tonight because I want to tell you, yes, I miss my husband tremendously. I mean, you know, I just miss him. But you know what? I've had a choice to make. I could sit at home on my rocking chair and have a pity party, or I could get up and finish the call that God had placed upon my life. And I chose the lifestyle I have today. And I've, this last 18 months, I've been to Mexico with Pam. I've done a home improvement seminar. I've done marriage seminar because that's what I'm called to do. But I could have chose not to do that. And you can choose not to have a good lifestyle or you can choose to have a negative lifestyle. But you get to make the choice. And you can't blame circumstances because everybody in this world has circumstances. But it's what you do with those circumstances that makes the difference. And so tonight, I hope I'll encourage you to begin to see yourself as a person the, 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 to choose a lifestyle of the rich and the famous. As I was thinking about the world's way of rich and famous, thank you for picking those up for me and getting them off the platform. <laughs> anyway, uh, as I thought about that, I thought about a, a godly man that's made a difference in the world today that is very rich in money things. But you know what? He's using it for the kingdom of God and to better. And that's, that's uh, Matt, Mark Green with, um, is it Mark or Matt? Mark, Mark Green. And I watched him. I watch ORU, that's Oral Roberts University's uh, chapel service a lot at 
times at night when I'm home from my television because they're on about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And he was on the day they celebrated and they had Green Day at Oral Roberts University. And he kind of shared his testimony. And he shared about how that he had never been on the Oral Roberts campus before except just to bring a speaker. But he said when he came on the campus at one point and he saw that the lack of students there because they were going through real difficulty and he became emotional. He said, it broke my heart and I knew I had to do something about it. And that man came on board, picked that university up and today it's flourishing. He had the money to do that, but he's using it for the kingdom of God. And God will use each and every one of us. We have those divine connections that God will use us to further his kingdom if we'll allow him to. So tonight as we continue on and we talk about the lifestyle of the real rich and famous, I want you to know that you have a choice tonight whether you're going to be that person or not. In Ephesians 1, that's the scripture that we will go to tonight. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me, because we're going to, I'm going to read several verses in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, okay. Now, I want to, I want to give you just a little headline there. Ephesians 1 has the blessings of the rich and the famous. Ephesians 2 and 3, chapters 2 and 3, give the benefits of the rich and famous. Now, we're not going to teach the whole book of Ephesians tonight, but you read it with that understanding, okay? And Ephesians 4 through 6 gives the behavior of the rich and famous. So you get the blessings in Ephesians 1, you get the benefits in Ephesians 2 and 3, and you get the behavior, the way we're supposed to act to bring about so that we can act like the rich and the famous. Now, let's just start a little bit here and see what it says. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the rich and famous, that's my words, to the rich and famous who are in Ephesus. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with blessed us richly with every spiritual blessing. That's just one little verse that says that. Now, as you look at that, and and you see what Paul is saying there, he's saying that you're blessed with every richly blessed with every spiritual blessing. What are spiritual blessings? Let's talk about them for a moment. Spiritual blessings are love joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, how important it is that we have those in our life. In a world that knows nothing about love or peace or joy or uh, having a positive attitude, thinking every day, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice decision and be glad in it. Putting a smile on your face so somebody that sees you on the street knows there's something different about you. That's how you share Jesus. Now, I'm not opposed to a street corner preacher, but I want to tell you, you'll win a lot more by walking out and being full of the love and the joy and the peace and letting people see that you're somebody special, and you are because you are the rich, the real rich and famous in the world today. It's not about how much money you've got, how much is in your bank account. However, if you check my bank account, it wouldn't say I'm rich and famous. But if you check my heavenly bank account, I'm a millionaire. I was reminded of a little song a few years ago, or when I began to work on this, and of a song that I knew many years ago. I'm a millionaire. 
I'm a millionaire. My father is rich in housing land, and I'm his heir. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a happy, happy, happy millionaire. So when I walk down the street or whatever I do, I'm a millionaire. I want you to say that to yourself because what Jesus did, what are we? We are millionaires, and we are the rich, and we are the famous because we belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm telling you, if you get that down in your spirit, you'll have a feeling to look out, world, here I come. Whether it's on an airplane and sharing Jesus with a young man that sits beside you that's crying out, I mean, begging in a relationship. And I looked at my daughter-in-law, Pam, as we were flying two or three days ago, and it was an interesting flight. We made two round trips from Tulsa to Dallas on the same plane. <laughs> if you want to hear more details, we'll tell you that later, okay? <laughs> but we kept smiling. But here's this young man. And I'm convinced we made the two round trips to Dallas and Tulsa. All that, uh, all that time was four hours, five hours for a 45-minute trip. But you know why? Because there was a young man sitting next to us on the seat that needed Jesus. And so I believe, and I told him, God loves you. And I'm sitting there, and he's begging, pleading. We could hear him. I mean, he was so loud. He had his earphones and stuff on. When we landed in Tulsa, I was supposed to be in Dallas, he took them on. He said, what's going on? We said, we're in Tulsa. Tulsa? What are we doing in Tulsa, you know? And so anyway, but he starts this loud conversation of begging somebody in a relationship that he'd been involved in. That Anyway, and so I looked at Pam, and I said, Pam, I think I'm supposed to talk to him. <laughs> But I didn't really want to. <laughs> and besides that, I thought if I tell him I'm a Christian, he may shoot me. <laughs> but anyway, pretty soon I, I was sitting there praying in the spirit and saying, because, you know, I'm the rich and the famous. People want to talk to the rich and famous. You've got Jesus in you, and you're the answer. And so as we sat there, I said, I said, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? He's a big guy. Looked like a football player, muscular. Looked like he was 33. I mean, he made five of me. And I thought he might have said, woman, keep your nose out of my business. But anyway, so finally I heard, if I tell him I'm Christian, no telling what response I'm going to get. And then I heard, tell him you are Christian relationship therapist. And guess what? I did, and he did. And by the time he got off that plane in Dallas, he knew somebody he didn't know before he got on there. Hallelujah. That's the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Not because your plane's circling round and round, going from Dallas to Tulsa. That's not the life. But because God has divine connection for you on your job, in your community, in your church. There's people that need you. But if you don't see yourself as that, you will not give out because you'll be too intimidated. But you need to know it's, I mean, you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You see, when I was born again when I was nine years of age, that's quite a few years ago. Like I was counting about 70 years ago. That's a long time. But you know what? I didn't know the, re I didn't have the revelation of who I was in Christ until many, many years later. And I always seen myself as ugly, dumb, stupid. Not somebody, compare myself to somebody else, never measured up. That's the way the enemy will keep you thinking about yourself. 
you're not an anybody when God's already paid the price that we could be somebody and we are the real rich and famous and you know but the day came when I got the revelation that when I accepted Jesus as a little girl I've had righteousness and I now have right standing with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you know what I do have right standing with him an open door to his office than any other office in the whole world I don't care what their last name is that's the one that I'm connected to and as a result of that then I begin to come out of that thinking about who I was as far as being inferior and knowing who he was who had made me everything hallelujah and so when you recognize yourself then you begin to think differently when you see yourself as the righteous and if you're thinking of yourself as the the um, rich and famous uh, Proverbs 22 7 says I believe it's 22 7 says as a man or a woman thinketh in her heart so is she now let's go back to Ephesians 1 for just a moment the first chapter and let's go to the uh, fifth verse well I want to go back go back to uh, four and we're, we've already talked about being richly blessed with every spiritual blessing and it verse four said just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love verse five having predestined us to adoption as sons by jesus christ himself according to the good measure of his will what is that saying to us it means that we have been adopted in the family of god adopted out of the family of darkness into the family of light we're we're in a family if you attend this church or if you don't and you don't go someplace else you need to okay if i lived in lafayette guess where i'd go to church <laughs> victory christian center hallelujah because you find life here you find light here and if you're in darkness you need this place you need this fellowship you need the word that you will get here it will make you rich and it will make you famous Hallelujah. And so as we were adopted, then verse 6 also says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. As I read that, I thought about our church there in Grove that my husband and I pastored so many years. We have the same uh, uh, quote or same saying that you do, that we're a church of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And I want to tell you, that's important. You need to know you're loved. I want you to say, I'm loved. The price that was paid for me was Jesus Christ and his precious blood. So I'm loved. But not only that, I'm accepted. You're accepted. You're accepted. I want you to say, I'm accepted. I'm accepted. Hallelujah. I'm accepted. And I'm, the next verse will tell us that after we're accepted, verse 7 tells us we're forgiven. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace remember this is the blessings of the rich and the famous and god wants you to know that you are blessed with all the riches of his gaze as his grace verse 8 which he may abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence he has given us wisdom and understanding how important it is that we have that wisdom. You know, being by myself now and not really uh, having my husband there who was a man of wisdom, I've had to really call on God for the wisdom. And I said, Father, your word says you would be a husband to the woman who didn't have a husband. And so now you're my lover, my leader, my protector, and my provider because my husband is home with you, and I need wisdom on how to make this decision. And you know what? He's never failed me yet. 
Hallelujah. I'm not alone. He has a hold of my hand and he takes every step with me. He's with me at the nighttime. I sleep with my Bible. And he's in the daytime while I have my devotions. I grab hold of his hand. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll walk every step with you. And he has been faithful, faithful to me. You can make it if you'll hang on to him because he is the one that gives you the wisdom. If you're struggling with a decision to make, just ask God. Say, God, I need to know direction. And you know what? He will lead you and guide you, and you can make the right decisions because you are rich and you are famous, and you know what? God wants you to make decisions that are in your best interest. And I've had him close doors when I was going that direction and open doors that I didn't know would be open. But I want you to know that he's been with me every step of the way, and that peace of God that umpire my heart lets me know when I called Pam and told her uh, that I was coming for the wedding and I just knew and we talked about that I said she said you were excited for us to come I said Pam I believe I'm there because God knows every woman is going to be there tonight and this is a divine connection that's why the Spirit of the Lord said open up your ears and hear what he has to say tonight I'm looking here, and he knows every one of your hearts. He says the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you need wisdom. And if you'll talk to him instead of just going round and round and round in circles, if you'll get your word out and spend time with him, then he will show you the way and give you direction. And you don't have to walk through insecure, even if you're by yourself or your husband's not a believer or whatever. You don't have to be insecure. You can grab a hold of his hand, and every step you take, he will go with you, and you can walk into that. That success until you finish this, this race and go to glory to be with him. Hallelujah. So let's go ahead. Verse 9. It says that he talks to us, verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will. And as I thought about it, I thought, how many times does somebody make known to you the mystery of his will? And what was that will? According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. He actually, you want to amplify that, says the mystery of his plan. What was his plan? He made known to us that he would send his son to bring unity to us and reconcile together to him. That was the mystery of the plan. That was the thing. There's a scripture that said if the devil had known Jesus was the son of God, he would have never had him crucified. Hallelujah. But we know the mystery. We know the answer is. Uh, Pam or Deb, uh, Pam or Pam one said to me today, Jesus is the answer to every situation and circumstance. And God made known to that. He loved us so much that he sent his son. You know that. But we need to be reminded of it, that we're not out here just an accident looking for a place to happen, trading water, getting by the best way we can. No. God has a plan for us, and he wants us to know that plan, a plan of salvation that we can be lifted up and that we can move on to whatever that he has for us in, in his plan for us. Verse 10 says... In the, in, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might, look at this, gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. There's going to be a family reunion one of these days. Hallelujah. When the dead in Christ shall rise. And we're going to meet them in the air. And I heard somebody, I saw it on Facebook recently, a little saying said, I, w- I wish heaven had visiting hours, and I thought, hmm, if heaven had visiting hours, I'd see Jesus first, and guess who'd be second? <laughs> Pastor Bill. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? There's going to be a family reunion. That's our hope. It's not over with. We're going to meet those people 
face to face, but most of all, and I've often said at my celebration, I want the song, I've just seen Jesus. I tell you, he's alive. When I see him face to face, what glory that will be. And I want to tell you, that's going to happen one of these days. And I think we're sometimes just getting along like we are. But I'm going to tell you guys, from my perspective, and you can take it for a dollar and how much for uh, coffee now? (laughs) Sorry to say a nickel. (laughs) How much is it? Four dollars. You can take four dollars and buy yourself a cup of coffee. (laughs) But I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. Things are winding up and you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Don't play games anymore. Game playing time's over with. And but I'm telling you, we're going to see him face to face. And so keep your hearts pure and keep them ready. Don't let anything knock you off balance. But stay focused. Stay focused. There's so many distractions. Uh, there are so many things in our families. And we've talked about that. Those are distractions to get us off track of say, planning on moving on with him and being in that family reunion. So anyway, in verse 11. Verse 11 says, In him, the rich and the famous, we also have obtained an inheritance. Wow. We got an inheritance. Now, I can tell you, I just dealt with a family last week at a funeral that uh, the family's fractured, split apart because of the inheritance of the person who passed. But you know what? This is our inheritance, and nobody can take it away from us. Hallelujah. We get it. We got more, we've got more than anything this world can offer or buy. Everything in this world is temporal. I don't get to take these shoes with me. Pam don't get to take her new shoes with her. <laughs> we don't get to all that. We're going to leave it all here. The rich and the famous have an inheritance that will blast through eternity. And that's the kind of inheritance that we want. Praise God. And it says, so in him we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And then in verse 13 and 14, no, yeah, 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Our inheritance is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Is that a guarantee or not? I couldn't help but think about guarantees because um, I think about a car that has a 100,000-mile warranty on it, you know, but it'll run out. And I have my rings that I wear, my wedding rings, and uh, my one ring is the one my husband gave me for 50 years of marriage. This one was for 25 but if I don't have those checked every six months, I lose my guarantee, my warranty on them. I have to, in other words, I, if I take them to the jeweler and have them checked and have them cleaned, they check the diamonds, then I'm okay. But you know what? If I don't, then if something happens to them, just case or all. But the inheritance we have here, nobody can take it away from us because it's guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Wow, what an inheritance that we have. And he is our guarantee. We can't have a better guarantee than that. So there we see that the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee, and we belong to him. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, our guide, and our teacher. Verse 17, as we go on down, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Guaranteeing us there that the Holy Spirit will give us 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we can know the things that are going on today. But if we're going to have the lifestyle of the real rich and famous, then if we're going to talk it, we need to begin to walk it. If we're going to talk it, we need to begin to walk it. You get to choose the lifestyle that you're going to live. You see, we really have the real life. Not if people don't know Jesus, they don't have the life. We have the real life of the rich and famous. Faith confessions will bring life realities. And so with that thought in mind, uh, if we can have, can you have your ushers pass this out? This is what I had printed up for you. And I want you just to take these and meditate on them in your devotional time. And it's got different scriptures. We are justified, declare righteous, no condemnation, so on and so forth. If you will begin to read these and let these meditate and penetrate in your heart, you can begin to feel like and walk like the real rich and famous. So let's pass those out if you don't mind. Because God loves us, we are rich with all spiritual blessings. We're famous because we belong to him. And we can have a lifestyle that's victorious. As we're passing us out, let me make you a few more statements about faith. You see, it's not necessarily what you believe. It's what you obey that determines your life. Not necessarily what you believe, but it's what you obey that determines your life. Think about it. You might say, I believe, let me tell you that I prayed for my husband to live. I prayed for healing. The first Sunday I went to church after he was gone, they had a healing line. And I thought, "Mm mm-mm, I can't lay my hands on people and pray for them. My husband just passed, even though he passed to the abundant life. But you know what? I believed in healing, and I said I believed. And so I had to be obedient. And when I stepped forth, and laid my hands on somebody, and the headache left immediately. I obeyed, and the faith was increased. I had a statement that I heard Dr. Jeremiah say on the Sunday after my husband's celebration. I don't remember anything else in the message, but he made a statement that I held on to, and that was I was going to operate by my faith and not my feelings. Operate by your faith and not by your feelings. What are your feelings right now? Do you need to operate by your faith and not by what you feel? Because your feelings will come and go. But if you will keep your faith, you can make it through the difficult times. So the lifestyle of the pa- of your past cannot be rewritten. The lifestyle of your past cannot be rewritten, whether it was good or bad. But the lifestyle of tomorrow is your choice. And you can walk in it in faith, or you can walk in it in fear. You get to choose which way you go. The the future is where everything is going to happen to you from this day forward. The future is where everything is going to happen to you from this day forward. We can't do anything about yesterday. God has given each one of us a day to live for him. So live it as a faithful steward and not an embittered historian. As a faithful steward and not an embittered historian. Don't live your life of all the hurts or whatever's happened to you in your past. 
Live the lifestyle of the rich and the famous with your faith carrying you too. You see, my faith is a servant to me, but it's my duty to use it. My faith is a servant to me, but it is my duty to use it. How important it is that we continue. We can profess faith, but we must possess your faith. It's our, it's our strength. It's our everything because God wants us to walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And God wants us to take this journey. And he wants his children to be victorious regardless of what's going on in the world. We can be victorious in every area if we walk by his way and not by our way. I have to tell you a few months ago, when I was praying for you, which we prayed for each other's churches for years. The story about Abraham and Isaac came to me in Genesis 22. And how, if, you, if you're familiar with that story, Abraham was an old, old man, but God had promised him a son. And of course, he had an Ishmael, but uh, that wasn't the promised son. But God gave him Isaac. And one day, God tested Abraham, and he said, I want you to take your son to the top of the mountain and put him on the altar and sacrifice him to me. And you know what? Abraham knew God had promised him that son. But if you read that story, and actually I marked it, but I maybe I should read just a small portion of it in Genesis 22 if you want to go back there if you don't know the story or not familiar. I just want to give you a couple of thoughts out of it because I felt specifically that God had told me that day, I, was, I can tell you right where I was, I was standing folding clothes inside of my bed, and I was praying for you and praying for your church, praying for our church. And the Lord brought this story this to me, and he told me, he said, this is, this is the word I have for you in Genesis 22. And um, it says, uh, let's go with verse. Uh, this is how you... Depend on the word, and this is how you live and think the lifestyle of the rich and the famous, the real rich and famous. Verse 5, it says, um, uh, I'm going to do three. So Abraham rose up early in the morning. Well, verse 1, actually, God tells Abraham, he's tested him. He said, I want you to take your son, verse 2, your son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you. Now, remember, this was Abraham's promise. And a lot of times we have promises that God has given to us. But sometimes I think we almost put that promise before our relationship with God if it doesn't come to pass like we think it should. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Now, how would you feel? Here he's taken his promise to the top of the mountain to put on the altar. And it says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two young men with him, and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship. And look at this. And we, faith, we will come back. To you. Now, God's told him to put his son on that altar, that promise on that altar. But God, Abraham trusted that God had a plan that he might not understand. And quite a few years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here's what he said. 
in my English language. Don't try to figure everything out. And that's what Abraham couldn't do. He couldn't figure everything out. God had told him to give his son, put him on the altar. But he had faith, and he said, we both, we're going to come back. The promise will come back with me. And so Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, laid Isaac his son, and he took the fire on the hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. Then Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb in the, for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, and of course, you know the rest of the story, that God already had a ram in the bush. Jehovah Jireh showed up. And so I'm saying to you, I think what I needed and what I felt is I literally felt the anointing of God, Pam. We have the promise, but sometimes we have to take the promise and put it on the altar and trust God. If we're going to live the lifestyle of the rich and famous, we've got to trust the one that's made us rich and famous. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. So take your promise to the altar and know that God will provide. Lay it there before him. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you feel like it's taken too long, whatever you've been praying for, I'm telling you, if you'll trust God, Jehovah Jireh will show up. Now this is the word, final word that I have for you tonight. And I felt like the Holy Spirit gave this to us. He said to you tonight, I came to make your life free. The closer you live to me, the freer you will be. By spending time alone with me, your awareness of my abiding presence grows deeper and stronger. There is healing in my wings and the intimacy of nearness to me. My healing presence binds up the wounds from your past so they stop bleeding. And I sensed in my spirit that some tonight... Some of you are bleeding from wounds of the past. The salve of my spirit enhances the healing process. The Holy Spirit, the salve of the Holy Spirit tonight is here to put on your wounds or wherever you need healing. In my holy light, you will see things from a new perspective, freeing you from your old unhelpful ways of thinking as you lay down the baggage from your past. You grow incessantly free. I make you free through the truth about who I am and what I've done for you. And I also help you to face the truth about yourself and the people in your life. If you're involved in hurtful relationships, I will help you to change them or break free. If you're trapped in addictions, I will help you to take the first step toward freedom. Honest confession of the truth in every situation will make you free, for it's the truth, my truth, makes you free and helps you to live the life of the rich, the real rich and famous. Would you bow your heads, please?